We there? There we are. Good morning. Yeah, I, uh, it is not that I didn't want to hug you and shake your hand and say hi. I just didn't want to share like my kids shared with me. So be praying for my strength and my energy today. I, you, know, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I, don't, I, I talked to Stan about this a long time ago, but I know he missed very, very few Sundays from being ill, and, and I haven't missed any from being ill yet. And by the grace of God, we hope to continue that. So we are in Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1 and going through 10 today. Again, our series is Jesus plus nothing is everything. everything. Good job. Um, and, that's, and that's the gospel. That's the essence of the gospel, that we don't add something to that gospel. And just to kind of catch up where we are today, <clears throat> we, had, we talked about the fact that Galatian churches were being undermined by some false teachers, and false teachers who were trying to undermine the, go- the gospel and trample on the message of, of a faith-based righteousness with a works-oriented righteousness. That is to say that, hey, you need to do something on your own and add something to this and, and work this out so you can be saved. It's not only Jesus. It's Jesus plus something. And we know if Jesus plus nothing is everything, then Jesus plus something is nothing. And, and Paul was disturbed by this because he had taught the true gospel and, and, and relayed that to these people. Uh, but Paul was being contradicted by these Judaizers, uh, many of them, by the way, who came from Jerusalem. So Paul, who had not come from Jerusalem as an apostle, Paul was met on the road to Damascus and changed by God and called by God. The message was confirmed by God in him, right? Did not go up, he said in, in, in the first part of Galatians, to consult with anybody. He knew the message. God revealed it to him. God gave him the message of the gospel. But th- there were these Judaizers who said, well, yeah, no, we're, we're sent from the apostles in Jerusalem. This is the message. This is the real one. Paul doesn't really know. Remember, Paul's, Paul was trying to keep the pure message of the gospel in view and, and not to be, not to be um, filtered or, or added to by these Jewish leaders because he was dealing with Gentile believers. And, and, and the thought was that, well, if, there, if it's influenced by Jewish believers from, from Jerusalem, then, then the message is going to be kind of church rhetoric, right, or, or dogma. And, and the, Galatia, or the Galatia, in the region of Galatia, those Galatian churches, those Gentile believers may be slow to believe. But now you have not only a message from a Gentile or from, from Paul and to the Gentiles, right, of the gospel, but you also have now <clears throat> these Jewish Judaizers who said, I, hey, this message is contrary to what they're preaching and teaching in Jerusalem. So now they're throwing them into confusion, right? And then Paul laid out in, in chapter one this really strong case for the gospel message that, that it was, it's about grace and peace and you can't have peace unless it's all, all grace. It has to be all grace, right? It's all about Jesus' grace that he gives us, and we have peace because of his grace. It's not because of anything we do. And he, he kind of talked about the, uh, the, the idea that you're, another gospel message is not just maybe a little different. It's not just a different, like a, a new gospel or another gospel, because there's only one gospel, and to add anything to that gospel is not the gospel anymore. It's no gospel at all, which is the bad news. Then he talked about his credentials. He said, listen, I, I've experienced this firsthand. Remember, we had Paul who was Saul, who was the strict, strict Jewish legalist, with all his heart strict, not just a Pharisee, a hypocrite strict, but with all his heart strict. So he had firsthand experience, he was an expert in all things legalistic. And then God got a hold of him and it changed him by the grace of God, right? And that, that now he has become this expert, experienced in the grace of God alone. That he knew that, that, that salvation now was by grace through faith, in Christ alone. Amen? He had firsthand knowledge and experience of that, and he shared that. He's like, Galatians, come on, what are you thinking? I, I know this. I know what you're dealing with and what you're thinking, but 
These guys are wrong. The gospel is pure. It's by grace through faith in Christ alone, not adding anything to it. So then we go to chapter 2, and the question is inevitably arising. Is there a contradiction among the apostles themselves? Are the apostles, the people who were with Jesus, who saw him die, who saw him after he resurrected, who knew the message in in their heart, is, is there something going on there that they're adding to this message and Paul needs to go and find out is the message contrary everyone says these Judaizers say Paul's preaching something different than they are so finally he says I, I gotta go check it out I gotta find this and and figure it out the Judaizers they claim to represent the apostles in Jerusalem but their message was not squaring up with what Paul was delivering the gospel he had received from Jesus so today we're going to look at this passage in, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and, and, and we're going to see how the gospel has been preserved for you, and how the gospel has been preserved for me, that there is a preservation happening over the gospel, okay? Let's, uh, let's pray, and we'll go to, go to Galatians 2, 1 through 10. God, we are grateful to be here today. We're thankful that you love us, that we have a faith in Christ alone, and we've received your grace by faith. God, we trust that today as we look to your word that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would give us wisdom and clarity for the implications and meaning behind the text. You would convict us of sin and convince us of truth, that you would change us and challenge us to be different than we were when we, when we walked in, different because of Jesus. Guide our time together, and we, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we are in Galatians chapter 2, verses one through 10. Paul says, then after 14 years, I went up or went again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. I went up because of a revelation and presented to them the gospel I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those recognized as leaders, so that I might not be running or have run in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. This issue arose because of false brothers smuggled in who came in secretly to spy on our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. But we did not yield in submission to these people for, uh, for even an hour so that the truth of the gospel would remain for you. But from those, who rec- those recognized as important, what they really were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. Those recognized as important added nothing to me. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter was for the circumcised. For he who was at work with Peter in the apostleship to the circumcised was also at work with me among the Gentiles. When James, Cephas, and John, recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace that had been given me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles uh, and they should go to the circumcised. They asked only that we would remember the poor, which I made every effort to do. So today we're going to look at this preservation of the gospel, how it is preserved and, and how, how we can find our strength in that or hope in that. And, and I think that as we see this preservation happening and understand that God is working to preserve it in you and for you and in me and for me, that there is this, this gratitude that I owe to the Lord and His great love for letting his, his gospel message continue. 
So let's look at this. The gospel is preserved. How do we see its preservation? Well, number one, we see that there is one gospel uniting many. And I know in your notes it says all, but I thought it's, it, you know, not everyone's united in the gospel, are they? Not everyone unites. I mean, ultimately one day all will bow down and be united under the same gospel. But not all will be in Christ and be found in Christ. So, the, But the gospel and the preservation of the gospel and how it happens is understanding that there is unity, right? The gospel unites many. And although, and as you see Paul, you see Paul is, a, is, a, is going to the Gentiles. Paul was, was not an apostle who saw Jesus in the flesh uh, while he was alive. But God, uh, Jesus appeared to him later after he had already ascended and, and, and in a different way. Right? So you have these apostles who are in Jerusalem, you have apostles who were sent out from Jerusalem to Judea, then to Samaria, to, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth, and you have Paul as part of that. So what he had to do is understand that there are a lot of apostles going on, there's a lot of teachers, there's a lot of elders, there's a lot of mission work happening. And his question is, is this the same gospel all over? Because if it's not, there's no unity, there's, and if there's no unity, the church will fracture. And the work we're doing now will be done in vain because someone else will come and undo it and unravel it. So it has to be the same common accord among us all. So looking at that, there is one gospel uniting many. In verses 1 and 2, it says, Then after 14 years, he says, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus also uh, along also. I went up according to a revelation and presented to them the, uh, the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those recognized as leaders, so that I might not be running or have run the race in vain." Now listen, Paul did not go to Jerusalem because he was having second thoughts about the gospel that he was preaching. It says here, well, it almost seems like maybe Paul was thinking he had just done this in vain and the message wasn't right. So he was nervous about it and he decided, I'll go up to Jerusalem and ask, I'll make sure I'm doing okay. But how did he go to Jerusalem? What prompted him to go? God, a revelation. God's like, listen, I've confirmed the message in you already. You know this. You know the message. It's on your heart. And now I am confirming in you a call to go to Jerusalem and sort it out. Get this figured out. He was not afraid that what he was preaching was wrong. He was afraid that what was being said in Jerusalem was wrong. Or what was being said, at least in the Judaizers, about Jerusalem was wrong. Either way, something was awry. Something was amiss and had to be worked out. And that's what Paul was doing. He went up by revelation He'd heard that in Jerusalem they were teaching that Jesus plus was what it was. Jesus plus something else. Circumcision or tradition or whatever it might have been. He had to be sure that they weren't compromising the work that he had done. And, and think of Paul. He, he gets that revelation to go up and he says, I know. I know how we'll settle this. So what does he do? He grabs Titus. Titus, you're coming with me. And who, well, who's Titus? He's not a Jew. He's a Greek. He had no compulsion to be circumcised at all. But, but Titus' life and the message and his work and his faith was proof enough that the grace of God was real and active in him, that he was a true convert under the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And, and, and he, Paul knew that, and the brothers and sisters in, in the region of Galatia knew that. So he said, come on, let's go. You're, you're an uncircumcised fellow. Let's, let's go together. And when we show up to Jerusalem's door knocking... They're going to have to make a choice, aren't they? They're going to say, yep, Titus, you're good. You're under grace. You're, you're under the grace of Christ. You're good. Or they're going to say, come on, Paul, let's, just make, let's get him circumcised. Let's take care of this so he's, he's really in. And Paul will then know, wouldn't he? His exhibit A was Titus. 
because no one could doubt the love and the grace that Titus had in his life for Jesus and, or the love and grace that Jesus had for Titus's life. So he says, I know how we'll settle this. I'll bring Titus up. Titus wasn't, com- uh, wasn't compelled to be circumcised, but yet he was a brother in Christ by faith. And this is, this is the freedom the gospel proclaims and the freedom in the gospel that Paul stands for. So there's no better way to force the issue, right, than to take along a real person, a real flesh and blood. So then he's there, and he basically says, it's your move. Here's Titus, it's your move. And he sets it up so there's two, two groups here. It's your move. Either the Judaizers can, can push it, or the apostles will have to compromise or confirm the gospel. It's your move. It's like this, this chess game he's playing, right? Here's, and he plays Titus. And for all intents and purposes, it was a checkmate, wasn't it? They knew, they understood, they were united in the gospel. See, Paul didn't want to see his work undermined and really the work of Christ undermine and fracture the church. He wanted to establish unity in the message of the gospel and in the work of the gospel. You see, Satan is the one who likes to unravel things, or at least try to, doesn't he? Satan wants to unravel. Satan wants to pull apart. Satan wants to divide. Satan wants to confuse. And even in Thessalonians, Paul says this. He says, for this reason, this persecution was happening, this confusion. When I could no longer stand it, I also uh, sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might be for nothing. He says, listen, the tempter wants to get in there and ruin what is going on. And certainly in the region of Galatia, he was doing that through the Judaizers. So Paul had to put a stop to that. But for you and I, this is what we got to understand. I think we, we get a little passive sometimes with each other. We get a little comfortable with our own ideas or thoughts. I believe that in, this, in a room like this, there's, there's some of us who really don't believe the true gospel. And, and more than that, if we do believe the gospel, there are other doctrinal issues that we probably differ on. Now, there are some that we're just going to differ on. Open-handed stuff. We don't really know. Is it pre-trib, post-trib? You know, I don't know, right? But we talk about the gospel and, and obedience and faith and righteousness. We talk about the things in the word that are important to God. They should be important to us. Amen? So you and I, listen, we ought to care about doctrinal unity. Paul cared about doctrinal unity, so he went up to Jerusalem with Titus and Barnabas. He cared about the unity of the church. Some, I think we care about peace, and, and sometimes what we find is a false peace in non-confrontation. You and I ought to confront each other when we are wrong in doctrinal issues and be okay saying, listen, you might want to question this. You might want to challenge this. And if we are, if, if something I say on Sunday morning from God's word offends you, you go, oh, well, I don't believe that. Maybe you ought to pray and go to the word and search it because the church is God's people and peace, true peace is only found when we have true unity over the issues at hand. We can have a false peace if you want a non-confrontational piece. But eventually, the rubber's going to meet the road. And we got to work those details out in gentleness and love and respect, going to the Word of God, right? So unity has to be primary. And that's what preserves this gospel. We see the gospel is being preserved for you, and it unites us under the banner of Christ. Not under your tradition or my tradition, or my feelings or your feelings, but under the true, infallible, Word of God. The gospel has been preserved for you and me, so let's be united in it.
Well, how else is it preserved? Number two, it's preserved because it's a firm foundation. It is a firm foundation. It's something you can rest in. Let's look at verses 3 through 5. So he brought in exhibit A, Titus. He said, but not even Titus, who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. This issue arose because of false brothers smuggled in who came in secretly to spy on our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. And what was their purpose? In order to enslave us. Right? We, anytime we go back to a legalistic rule where it's Jesus plus something else, we are now slaves to that something else. That we must be under the law. We must obey. We must submit. Jesus says, I, I did that. Remember on the cross? I did that for you. I submitted so you could be free by my grace. It doesn't give us a license to sin, right? It gives us this privilege now to respond to him and his grace with faithfulness and obedience. Not that I have to, but because I want to, because I can now freely do that, responding to him. But they want to come and enslave, right? But, verse 5, We did not yield in submission to these people even for an hour so that that the truth of the gospel would remain for you or would would be preserved for you. We didn't submit. We stood our ground. We stood firm. We didn't let the tempter tempt us into unraveling everything and putting us back on unsure footing. And that's what happens. We get on unsure footing, so we do whatever we can to make us feel comfortable. All those everythings we can, those are all the legalistic additions to our life. Where Jesus says, there's a firm foundation that you can have. You can be firmly grounded. And when you're there, there's this freedom from having to know all of it and figure it all out and to do it on your own. There's a freedom that we have by standing firm in Christ. Verses 3-5, through it shows the Galatian Christians that there were false brothers. So when Paul writes this, he says, listen, we, we've confirmed this. We see these false brothers coming and approaching, wanting to enslave us. And these brothers are from Jerusalem. And they insist on circumcision for salvation. It's Jesus plus. But we have to understand, most importantly, that they do not represent the position of the gospel or of the church. That's, that's important for you and I to understand. There are false teachers. There are false ideas. There are things that we may let our, our guards down about. We have to know that not everyone represents what the church represents. Not everyone stands for and represents what the gospel stands for and represents. People are against that. Satan, of course, is against that. Shaky ground, unraveled places will leave us apprehensive and compelled towards sin and slavery. But we have stability and freedom in Christ. The good news is in the world is that we can be right with God through Jesus Christ. That Jesus paid it all. And by faith, through His grace, by our faith, in Christ alone, we have freedom. Because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We have everything in Him. Turn to the book of Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, then Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. Look at verses 4, 4 through 8 together. I want us to understand this footing, this grounding we have 
But there's also this other side of things where we might be taken captive. Paul says, starting in verse 4, I am saying this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. For I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good, uh, your good order and the strength of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him. There it is, walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world, and not based on Christ. See, Paul encourages, says, be careful. Don't be taken captive. Don't be deceived. Don't be, don't be fooled by this other stuff. But instead, understand you should be and can be rooted in Him, grounded, right, built up in Him, that when we are walking in Christ Jesus, we are grounded on firm foundation. And that's because the gospel has been preserved for you and me. That we can walk on this solid ground, knowing that it is by grace through faith in Christ alone that we are saved, not by works. The gospel provides a firm foundation, letting us be rooted and grounded in Christ. <clears throat> Finally, how else is it preserved? How else is the gospel preserved? Number three, because God is at work, right? The only way it really can be preserved is God is at work. Our, our little councils, our little times, our little, our little Bible studies don't preserve the word of God. God preserves the word of God. God preserves the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But, but having it be preserved for us, that means we get to benefit from it. We get to understand grace and live in grace and be rooted and built up in Christ. That's how it's preserved in us. It, it, it's timeless. The gospel will last all into eternity. It will never change. But for you and I, we might be swayed, or our friends may be swayed to believe some other fanciful tale. While the gospel message is still true and preserved, others are out there doing their own thing, avoiding the gospel. But God is at work in preserving the message. Look at verses 6 through 10, back in Galatians. <clears throat> but from those recognized as important, what they really were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. Those recognized as important added nothing to me. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised just as Peter was for the circumcised. So listen, they had been entrusted with a message. Entrusted by who? By God. Called by God. And look at the next verse. For he who was at work, who's that? God, right? He who was at work in Peter, that's Jesus Christ, uh, in the apostleship to the circumcised, was also at work with me among the Gentiles. Who was at work? Jesus is at work, right? God is at work in the message of his gospel in his people. And they're, they're realizing that. This is not my story or your story. This is not our power or, or his power. This is God's power. That God is at work for the gospel. In verse 9, when James, Cephas, and John recognized as pillars, acknowledged what? Acknowledged the great story you're telling? No, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me. By who? Jesus, right? By God. It's God who's at work. They gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing. Agreeing with who? With God, right? Go, yeah, God said it. Let's do it. 
that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the, circ- to the circumcised. They only ask that we would remember the poor, which I made every effort to do. Right? That's, that's, the, that's the outward thing. Right? That's the outward response to the gospel is living it. Not only preaching it, but being compassionate, loving, serving. And we'll see that. This is kind of a taste of things to come, that verse 10 of, of chapters 5 and 6. How, do, how is it lived out in our lives? But what's important is understanding that God is at work in preserving the gospel. Because of the firm foundation that we have in Christ, the church is unshaken in Christ. And the message of the gospel is preserved, and the power of the gospel then continues to press on. And it is God who is at work in preserving the gospel. Not only did God conceive the gospel before the foundations of the world, not only did God accomplish the gospel by sending His Son to die and to rise from the dead for us, but it was God who chose the apostles, who set them apart and did the preaching of the gospel through them. If you look at verse 8 here, it says that the reason the Jerusalem apostles could recognize Paul as an apostle was that we saw him, he, who worked through Peter, also was working in Paul. God was at work. When Paul was born, and he mentioned this in the, in the previous passages in Galatians, when Paul was born, it was, it was God who was at work. When Paul was called to be an apostle, it was God that was at work. When Paul preached, it was God that was at work. When Paul refused, even today as we see, he refused to yield to these false teachers, it was God who was at work. That the truth of the gospel might remain for you or be preserved for you and for me. You see God at work? God at work in sustaining the gospel, in preserving the, the gospel message for you and I, that we would have freedom, that we would have life because of the gospel, because God is at work. And do you see how greatly He loves us? That He is willing to be at work before the foundations of the world to preserve the message of the gospel, the freedom and the gospel of Jesus Christ for you and for me. That we can have a righteousness that is not based on the law or based on anything we could do, but we could have a righteousness that is based on faith in Christ alone because He provided it for us. And there is freedom in that message, not slavery. That is the message of the gospel. It's freedom. God, it's God that worked through the through all of time to preserve the gospel for us. He loves us. And He's given us everything, everything in Christ alone. I'm going to close with two phrases. And you're, and you're going to help me out here. You're going to turn to your neighbor and you're going to say this. He is worthy of our faith and obedience. Turn to your neighbor. He is worthy of our faith and obedience. Turn to your other neighbor. And say, Jesus plus nothing is everything. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and pray. God, you are, you are so good. You love us so deeply. And you have preserved the purity and the freedom of the gospel message of Jesus Christ since the foundations of the world. And we are grateful that we have been able to see that, that you have called us by your grace and given us faith to believe the gospel. And you have freed us 
from being slaves to sin. Change us continually, God. May that gospel be active in us every day, every moment, that you would change us and challenge us and make us new and renew us, that our hope would be in you because we rest on a firm foundation. And on that firm foundation, there is no burden too big for us, but that you are there to carry us, and we are grateful. Thank you for preserving the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond today with, with singing, with worship, maybe with prayer. I'd, I'd be happy to pray with you. God will block the germs, hopefully, right, up here. If you uh, would need, need prayer, I'd love to do that. Or pray with someone next to you. Whatever God's laying on your heart, as, we, as we've looked at God preserving the gospel for us, let's respond to him with thanksgiving and praise. Let's sing. Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine, but God who 